I'm not talking about trying different things and trying to figure out what works for you and find your lane in a career or anything else. No, I'm talking something that fills up your heart every single day. Welcome back to All In with Rick Jordan. I am Rick Jordan. I'm here with Rob Oliver today. Rob, what's shaking, my man? Dude, it is all good. That's awesome. That's awesome. We were starting to talk a little bit beforehand, and I get caught up in this, all the pre-show stuff. It's like, let's just let's just dive right in. Is that you were saying you have teenagers, right? You have three of them? I've got three of them. I And this is kind of the weird part about that. Uh, I've got three 18-year-olds. Uh, they are triplets. Dude. So, that's yeah. crazy. Uh, so I've got a boy and two girls. They are graduating this year. Um, and they're feeling kind of gypped about the whole deal that yeah. they didn't get the same fantastic, wonderful send-off that all the rest of the senior classes have gotten up to this you. point. Yeah, no doubt, my man. I, I have twins. They're my oldest. And they just turned 13 on Monday, which is pretty awesome. You know, I, I'm excited that they're teenagers, that I have teenagers now. And but not along the lines of graduation, but they're turning 13 and we were going to do something pretty spectacular for them. I can't say because they listen to the show and at some point I'm going to actually tell them or do what we were going to do for them. But instead, we just ended up heading down to Florida to Universal Orlando because it's one of the only things in the country that's open right now just for a quick three days. We had a good time, man. But yeah, things, the landscape is different right now and options it, are, are limited. It is. And I mean, especially... When you take my primary business, I'm, I'm a speaker. Yeah. And the speaking industry has just dried up. Oh, for sure. So how are you adapting to that? Because, you know, in some ways, I'm a speaker also. In some ways, things are very much limited. But then in other ways, I see a lot of virtual events, you know, and a lot of podcasts, a lot of virtual stages, if you want to call it that way. What have you seen in that realm, man? I'm curious because there's, there's speakers that listen to the show, too. Yeah. So the first thing that I did, I moped for a little while and I'm like, this is terrible. Everything is gone. Everything is bad. And then I realized, listen, one of the things that I had always wanted to do was to have a podcast. So I started my own podcast during during this time. It's called learning from smart people. And the gist of the show is this, everybody knows more about something than I do. And if I can get them on the show and we can talk, there's something that I can learn from everybody that uh, everybody that surrounds me. So that's cool. So you just launched it then, right? Your show? Uh, yeah. Well, I just launched it. We're doing two episodes a week. I, I think today we released episode 24. So it's moving on. That's awesome, my man. Really cool. I like your perspective on that, that somebody always knows more about something than, than you do. Because that's the same thing. And it takes a little bit to, to realize that in life sometimes. And it's not that I ever thought, you know, in my younger years, in my 20s, that there weren't people that existed that were smarter than I was in, in a certain subject. It was more like I had a strong-headed mindset that I think I can learn this and accomplish it on my own. I think I can self-teach and figure this out. But when I look back, I think, wow, I could have probably accomplished more sooner or faster if I would have just had good people surrounding me. You know, there's always wisdom in a multitude of counselors. And that's what I've learned, man, and applying to my life today. Agreed 100%. And especially when you're talking about people that have been there and done it before you. Yeah, yeah. So they've already made the mistakes. They've already gone through the issues and they know how to handle that. And so when you're listening to them, they're able to take what they've experienced over years of 
doing things and kind of crunch it down, share it with you. And the next thing, you know, you're getting nuggets of wisdom that would have taken you months or years to acquire. Oh yeah, for sure. My man, that's a, I love your perspective on that. And I'm curious, cause how do you apply that right now? Cause it's uh, you know, I'm 40, I don't know how old you are, but then we obviously get to a point in life where I see people that get to a point in life. I should rather say to where they're like, you know what? I think I've crammed as much as I want to up in my head, you know, and they're just like, maybe it's now time to retire or, or whatever it is. You know, they just feel like they've come to a point to where they don't want to learn anymore. And man, I cannot imagine myself ever being that way. I can always think there's, there's always something more to do. There's always something more to learn. There's always something different and exciting to go after. You know, the, how, do we, how do we relate to people that are just like, you know what, I think I'm good. It is. It is so incredible to hear you talk about this because to me, I am a lifelong learner. I always want to know more. And here's, here's what I think is really important. The people that want to learn more are the people that are doing things. Okay. Because I have, I've got a speaking business. I've got a yeah. book publishing business. I've got a bunch of things going on. And to me, uh, I've got to learn from the people that have done it in order to improve that. Yeah. No, I hear you, my man. I was reading your bio and I'm curious because you had a spinal cord injury, right? Yes. Well, can you tell me a little bit about that? What, what happened? And uh, obviously you, you came out of it and uh, like a lot of people that, well, maybe I shouldn't say a lot of people, a lot of people I talk to because I meet the, the cool ones that are saying, you know what, it's not going to define me. Whatever happened, no matter how much I recover, there's still more good that I can do in the world. So give me a little history, bud. Sure. When I was 21 years old, I was body surfing on the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And as the wave carried me in towards the shore, instead of it carrying me forward, it actually pushed down. And I hit my head on the bottom and broke my oh. neck at that point. Uh, so it was one of those things that it was touch and go as to whether or not I was going to survive. And this is really an important point in my life, obviously, but I learned so much about who I am and what gives me value. And, and I'll tell you the story that really kind of brought everything into focus. Yeah. First thing, I was on a ventilator for a couple of days. And as soon as I got off that ventilator, the first person I wanted to talk to was my girlfriend. She was on the beach at that time. She saw everything that happened. And I, you know, I'm laying in bed for three days and I'm not able to do any talking because I've got a tube down my throat. Yeah. But I'm in and out of consciousness. But when I'm awake, I'm thinking. And I said, we got to talk. Yeah. I said, listen, it looks like my future has a lot of limitations. And if that's too much for you to handle, I care enough about you to say, like, you do whatever you need to to take care of yourself. And I said, I don't know what you're feeling towards me, but if you're just feeling pity or feeling sorry or whatever, like that's not the foundation for a long-term relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, I said, I don't know what kind of pressure you're under from other people. They'd say, you know, you can't leave him now. This is his hour of greatest need or whatever the phrase is that you want to use there. And I said, I don't care about them. They're not a part of us. I said, this is about you and me. And right now it's, it's about you. Whatever you need to do to take care of yourself, please do that and don't worry about what happens next. And she got really mad at me. And <laughs> she said, listen, 
what I love about you has nothing to do with whether you can walk or not. I love you for who you are on the inside. And if you think you can get rid of me that easy, you've got another thing coming. Dude, how long were you with her before the accident? Well, it's a really cool story. We had been friends since I was five years old. And I, like we hung out together and it was one of those things. We were good enough friends that I remember a point in time when I sat down with her and one of her friends and they were like, Rob, where do we meet the good guys? Like, yeah, can yeah. you introduce us to some good guys? And I'm internally, I'm, I'm thinking like, uh, hello, I'm right here. What's, what's wrong with me? But I need, I, was, I need a sign or something. Come on. Should I, yes. should I have t-shirts made? Is that what I need to do to say, right. Hey, look right here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was in the friend zone. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And so oh, the I, friend zone, uh, no, the dreaded friend zone. So Dude, that, that's a, uh, are you a friends fan? The TV show friends? My kids are huge friends fan. And so I've seen more of it than I, I was planning. There's on. a whole episode about the friend zone where, where Ross is in the friend zone with Rachel, you know, cause they end up that, that was like the love story of the whole thing. Of course, Monica and Chandler get married and everything, but the whole dragged out love story of the whole thing was really Ross and Rachel. You know, it, it's, it's, but there was a whole freaking episode on the friend zone because it's such a valid thing, you know, and a lot of dudes you're getting me on a squirrel here. I hope you don't mind, but whatever. <laughs> the, the friend zone is just, man, that was the case for me and a few women, you know, and uh, if there's any kind of dating advice that I have for dudes that are in the friend zone is don't fall into a pattern of inaction. You know, I think that's what traps you in there. And am I a dating expert? I don't know. I've been married for a while. I dated a lot of women before I got married, you know, but I never got stuck in the friend zone too often. It's not that I'm just a good looking guy, you know, just being good looking doesn't matter so much, you know, and even back then, dude, I weighed a lot more too, you know, cause I used to be 80 pounds heavier. It's I'm not just like a, a skinny dude that has never struggled with his weight. That's talking here. You know, when I was there, but what I found, man, that, that women really, really enjoy is they enjoy action. They enjoy taking initiative, you know, and that's really what they're looking for. So I'm sure you probably fell into that scenario too. When she saw you as something different, it was probably something that you did versus something that you said. Agreed completely. So the, the story is that uh, she called me, uh, I, she lives here in Pittsburgh and I was originally from out near Philadelphia. And so she called me and said like, hey, you and your friends are all invited to come out to our place for a New Year's celebration. And um, I didn't hear the your friends part. I heard her say, you are invited to come out to uh, my house for a New Year's celebration. And in that, she uh, also happened to mention during that conversation that she had just broken up with her boyfriend. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, that's so strategic. I love the dude. I love the subliminal messaging that women give, you know, cause okay. it, it blows my mind and it's all right there. If dudes paid attention to what their partner, the, the, the target that they have, so to speak, the person they want to date, the person they want to be, if they, if they paid attention so much more to what that woman said, they would be able to get out of the, out of that friend zone so much faster. <laughs> you know, what's really wild about it though. I picked up on, you know, there's a joke about like men's hearing and we only hear what we want to hear. Yeah. So I heard, I dumped my boyfriend and I'm inviting you to come out and spend some time with me. <laughs> He's and I'm like, like, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. This is beautiful. Yep. So Finally, got, after all these years. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I really, 
I was thinking as I'm driving out there, it's a four hour, four hour drive. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this is a person that I, I talk to and I share it like when I'm having a difficult time, like this is one of my best friends. Yeah. Yeah. And who better to spend the rest of your life with than somebody that you already know, they know you and you've got a great friendship. Yeah. Right on. And so I went out, we, I was there for a couple of days and at the end of my couple of days, we sat down, it was just her and I in the living room. And I said like, you know, how would you feel about dating? And she's like, no, I can't do no. that with you. <laughs> what, was it that solemn too when she said, <laughs> well, hey, how do you feel about, I'm sure you were pumped, right? I, I was, I, no. I don't, I have no idea what the actual expression was because oh, to so me funny. it was like, no, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, you're not worthy or whatever it is. Like, you just, heard the dude heard what he wanted to hear, or what you know, right. or at least how you took it. So it's, yeah, I mean, guys, guys have insecurities. Yeah, it's uh, no matter what anybody, how macho you can be or whatever. I almost see like the more macho that the dude is, the more insecurities that guy has too. Yeah. So the, the fun backstory with that is, she kind of backpedaled a little bit to yeah. say like, "All right, listen, I did just break up with my boyfriend." And so I'm not ready for a relationship right now, but let's just hold on to the right now. Yep. So like maybe two months later, we happened to go to, um, we're both very um, faith-based people. So we went to a Bible sure. conference together and it was in Ohio and it was like, it was bad because all of the young people were, uh, hanging out at one of our, our friend's house. And I had this family that we, whenever we went to this Bible conference, we always stayed with the same family. And they had a kid who is, I don't know, maybe five or seven years younger than yeah. I am. And he was going through a rough time. And I thought, you know what? If I go out and I'm at the kid's house, I can work on my relationship with him and see what I can do to help him make good choices and, you know, do something profitable with his life. Yeah. So, so she you said, said he was in a bad state. What bad state was he in exactly? Well, um, let me just say he's a friend of mine to this day. Okay. And um, he was in the beginning of heading in a completely bad direction. And that bad direction includes um, becoming an alcoholic, becoming a cocaine addict, becoming a heroin addict, uh, becoming a pimp. And like, that's where he was headed. Now he's, you know, 15 or 16 years old at this point. Yeah, yeah. He's not there, but those, that's the kind of choices he's making. Yeah, I don't know what, what you're comfortable talking about, but I've seen scenarios like that. And usually it's that there's just a, a hole, a big void in that person's life, you know? And a lot of times too, it's not necessarily, especially at that age, that young of an age, it's not typically that individual that caused that hole to be there to begin with. You know, it's other people that are around, it's external forces, because you don't have as much control of your environments when you're teens and younger than you do when you're out on your own. Yeah, and I, not getting into the, the personal scenario, but yeah. I, I agree completely. There was something missing for him. And, I, you know, to me, we all have a hole in us that we try and fill with stuff. And you've got to find the right piece to fit that. For me, I, as a person of faith, God is the one that fits in that yeah. puzzle piece. And, it, and that's what keeps me filled. But 
everybody, dude, you got to find what works for you, what fills you. And uh, otherwise you just keep dumping stuff in there and it falls out the bottom. And yeah. You never everybody find needs a source. Everybody yep. needs some sort of fulfillment in life. And uh, there's a lot, I mean, I'm not talking about trying different things and trying to figure out what works for you and find your lane in a career or anything else. No, I'm talking something that fills up your heart every single day. And you have to go after that thing. And it might take you some time to find it too. But if you're searching, that's a different story. But if you're just trying to fill your life up with just junk and things just as a temporary measure to fill that void that you have in your life, you will go down a very, very bad path. And it's yeah. not so much hurting you because I, dude, I don't believe in my heart. I don't believe for one minute that there's a single human being that was placed on this planet that has the intention of hurting another human being. Agreed that's just not how we're made. It's never how we're made. But what, how that happens is we are missing things from our own lives that cause insecurities that then drive us to do things that put focus on other people so we don't have to face them on our own. You know, so it's, just for, it's almost like getting drunk. You know, it's almost like cocaine, like you were talking about, because it's like a reprieve from our own thoughts in that moment. So when we project our insecurities and everything else that's wrong with us onto other people, it hurts them. It's not intentional, but it's just, it's almost kind of like an addiction for people that start down that path too, from what I've seen in where we start to project our feelings and insecurities on everyone else around us. And the side benefit, the temporary benefit from that for us is it causes us not to focus on our own crap just for a mere couple of seconds and it lifts us up a little bit. It's like a quick hit of dopamine in our brains to where all of a sudden we're feeling good for just a quick couple quick seconds because now the bad attention is on somebody else other than us. But the bad attention wasn't really on that other person to begin with, you know, or the bad attention wasn't really on us from external people. We're putting the bad attention on our own selves because we're just running away from our problems. And it's difficult sometimes I get to, and I'm sure you've seen this even with your buddy. It's difficult sometimes to actually turn that mirror around because we don't like what we see. And we don't enjoy facing that head on. And it does suck. I've had to do this in my life over and over and over again. And anybody that's listening, that's what's going to have to happen. So if you think that it's like a, a split second decision, or just as soon as you have like an epiphany of some points, and then you're out of the woods for whatever it is, there's going to be something else five years down the road, 10 years down the road, that's going to cause a different insecurity. That's how life is. And the cool part about it is as you continue to face these things, as you overcome them, you'll be able to grow it just in spirituality in personality in character in everything else in principle and be able to accomplish more things. As long as you're wanting that help to begin with, as long as you're willing to face that mirror. Sorry, man, I get on tangents with this because I want to see people lift it up. You know, I want to see people do amazing things in life. Definitely. Listen, I've got a, I've got a person in my life who is very self-conscious about their weight. And yeah. their way to handle that is to make fun of everybody else's weight. And it's, it's exactly what you're talking about. The, the other piece is I find, and my friend who has been through everything that I was just talking about, um, he really, he and I have a great understanding about the power of honesty and about the power of an honest self-assessment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so many people feel like they got to, they live behind a facade. They have, they put up a wall and this wall is the wall of perfection and the wall of no problems and the wall of wonderfulness. And what nobody 
that what they don't want anyone to see. <laughs> the wall of social media, right? Well, <laughs> the yeah, filtered but, life. Okay. And how many people put on social media, you know, all of the things that are wrong with them? They're talking about all the wonderful things that happen. I mean, some people share and some people, the, the way that they share, and I'm sorry, yeah, this is yeah. probably very judgmental, but sometimes people share looking for attention. But the point of all of it is, um, I have to come to an understanding that I am an imperfect individual. And you know what? That's who I am. And there are areas of my life that I need to work on. And yeah. let's do that. Uh, listen, you've got issues too. We yep. all have issues. And it's what makes us human. And anyone that says that they don't have issues, yeah, I'm just telling you, they're, they are a flat out liar. You got because, it. Let's dive into that social media thing for a sec, because it, I understand, I completely understand where you're coming from. There are a lot of people who will post on social media just to gain attention, you know, for some reason. But when you look at that from a different perspective, rather than saying, oh, that person's just an attention grabber, whatever it is, there's probably an area in their life. And this is where compassion has to set in, you know, and instead of being judgmental, I don't think you're judgmental, but this is where compassion sets in for me to where I look and like, oh, they are crying out for help. In this Definitely. moment, there's something in their life right now that they're not receiving love. They're not receiving the attention that they need because maybe they need support. Maybe they're going through an issue with their marriage right now. Maybe they just lost a job. Maybe there's an abusive father or mother that exists in their life. Whatever they're posting about to sort of grab attention. This happens a lot too with anger that's posted on social media, you know, because it's the same scenario. They're just trying to flip the script to, to someone else, whoever they're commenting on whatever it is, or their posts, whoever they're calling out on the carpet, it's really more so to just say, hey, look at me, I have a voice. Because on social media, I feel like I have more of a voice than anywhere else in my life right now, because I might not have somebody else to talk to, somebody else to air my, my feelings to. So I'm just going to go out to the world because it gives some sort of false sense of anonymity on social media or some sense of non-consequence. And that's the, the damage and the hurt, the risk of using social media for this side of things. However, when you see someone post hate or whatever else, there's been something that's happened in their life something that has happened to them. Someone has wronged them. Maybe they made a bad decision that could have caused that. That's fine. But still, they might have wronged themselves. And now they have to deal with that stuff too. But it's hard to face it themselves. So when they post and they, you know, for attention grabbing, whatever it is, I know people like this, man, they'll post for the attention grabbing, but it's really saying, hey, I don't have anybody. And when you look at it that way, it becomes a little bit more sad. But in a compassionate sense for me to saying, you know what, how can I reach this person? How can I, how can I extend an olive branch and say, I'm here if you need me? It's still up to them to take it, to grab that olive branch. It absolutely is because you can't help somebody that doesn't want to be helped. And they might not be in that place yet either. But if you extend that olive branch, you know, 99 times, maybe 273 times, maybe 1,256 times, but on that 1,257th time, they grab the olive branch and you're able to lift them up out of where they are every single bit of that time and effort was worth it. Yeah, there are two things that I want to highlight in what you just said. The first is that hurt people hurt people. Yeah. And powerless people take their power from other people. I, I, you see it as a trickle down thing, right? In my own neighborhood, I see this, that my neighbor has three sons and the youngest son kind of gets picked on. And now there's a new family that moved in and that youngest son who felt like he was getting picked on now has a bunch of kids that are younger than them or younger than him. 
And he is now doing the same thing that his, that the older cousins and neighbors did to him. He's doing it to these kids. And it's one of those things that like he had his power taken away by someone older than him. And yeah. now he's in a place where he can do the same thing. Uh, the other thing is, and this, um, this comes from my friend, the heroin addict uh, who is in recovery and has just celebrated, I think five years of sobriety. Awesome. Which really great. Uh, um, but he talks about the fact that you have to meet people where they are. Yeah. Even if where they are is completely illogical and completely not in touch with reality. Yeah. So when somebody gets on social media and they say something and you're like, that is not, that's not true. Uh, you can argue with them and you don't get anywhere, but to meet them and to say, this has got to be a difficult place to be as you, the word that you used was compassion. And I think that's what we've got to have to be able to connect with people. And the only way to get someone out of that place where they are is to meet them there and to help them in the journey away from that. Uh, and, you know, to be, to be someone who is guiding and to be someone who is just sometimes just companionship and just listening. I can't tell you, how many times people will tell me all the things that I need to do. Like, you know, when we found out we're having triplets, yeah. I, they're telling me like, you need to get a trailer hitch on the back of your wheelchair so that you can <laughs> take the kids around, uh, you know, or when, when I move my wheelchair, like when I back up yeah. and somebody's behind me and I bump into them and they're like, you have to have a beeper on your wheelchair. Yep, yep. And like all well-intentioned and all really, you know, Ideas that work for them. However, here's the, here's the concept. Imagine if every time you took a step backwards, you beeped. It would yeah. drive you insane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yes, it would be nice for all the people around you if they knew, oh, like, oh, he's backing up. Uh, but to me, it's like, no, it, this, you don't understand where I am. And, yes, you can see it from your perspective, but you can't see it from my perspective. And I, I really, I really, really believe that one of the key things to forming meaningful relationships is to be willing to see things from another's perspective and to acknowledge, you know what, your perspective has validity and as does mine, but let's start where you are, start with how you see things and, yeah, yeah. and build on that. Right on, my man. And if we took this full circle back to the scenario with your injury, you know, when your girlfriend at the time, you, you said, you know, I, I would just like you to have the freedom to live your life. You know, and it was more so from what I see that, and this is some social media stuff too, because some people are, are afraid of talking or afraid of letting others in because they feel like they don't want to be a burden on that person. They don't want to drag the other person into their own crap. You know, but that is also a form of insecurity. When you're, when you're looking at that, and I'm sure you know that now, because w without looking at it from your girlfriend's perspective and saying, wow, she's really here for me and she wants to help me through this. We are made to help others and we're also made to depend on others in life. And when we deprive ourselves of the ability of someone else to lift us up, we don't go very far. And it ends up being a very depressing road for us because we are meant to be social individuals and connected individuals to where there is somebody that can come along and say, you know what, you're going through a really rough time right now and I'm that person, whether it's right now for a season or for the rest of your life, I'm that person that is meant to be here in your life right now to help lift you up out of whatever this situation is.
Right. So I don't know if you've seen this or not. Arnold Schwarzenegger did a, a commencement speech in which he talks about being a self-made man. And he says, I am not a self-made man. There is no such thing as a self-made person on our planet. Everybody who has accomplished something got there with the assistance of someone else. Exactly. There's always somebody to set the table for you. It's just up to you to eat, but there's always somebody to set the table for you. Yeah. And let me just touch on something else that you mentioned about that concept of feeling like you're a burden on other people. To me, that is a very real feeling. And because this, like, listen, when I broke my neck, it means I'm paralyzed from the chest down and I've only got limited use of my arms and hands. Yeah. I need a lot of help. Yeah. And so I need, like, I can't dress myself. I can't get myself out of bed. I need someone to help me get a shower. Like, it, I need someone to help me get my food. Yeah. Like, I can feed myself, but I, there is all of that prep work that goes into it. And there are days when, it, to be brutally honest about it, it is depressing to realize just how much I rely on other people. Yeah. And you, I can go into a deep hole there and just feel like, and, and I do occasionally do this. I think how many people would have more time to do what they want to do if I wasn't a part of their life? And that's a really dark place to be. Uh, what I did come to understand, though, is this. Just because I can't use my legs doesn't mean that I don't have abilities. And relationships are built as two-way streets. If you are simply using people for what they will do for you, you are a taker. Yeah. And you mentioned this. We, are, we were created to serve other people. We were made yeah. to be a support for other people. And so in that, look for opportunities to do something for someone else. And I'll give you a real quick story from my life. Yeah, please. I, as a result of my injury, I have a propensity towards urinary tract infections. I get them all the time. As a matter of fact, I've got one right now. It's miserable. I'm, uh, I'm trying to be positive and move through it, but yeah. you cope. They were really bad at one point and bad enough that I was having to go into the hospital to get IV antibiotics. And it's happened like every three, four, five months. And it was just like every time I turned around, I'm back in the hospital. And in our family, when someone's in the hospital, I'm the guy that goes to visit. And whenever there's somebody that is, you know, kind of having a difficult time, I'm the yeah. person that will listen, that will, you know, just be there. And so now here I am, and I'm in the hospital for like the sixth time in two years. It is Mother's Day weekend. Everybody has so much stuff going on. And I've literally been in the hospital for three days and my wife and my kids have come in twice, but apart from that, no one else has come in. And I'm just like, Hmm. I'm trying to help other people and yet here I am. And when I'm feeling down and when I need some interaction, it's not happening. So it's mother's day morning and I'm laying there and I'm thinking, and I'm, (laughs) I'm talking to God and I'm like, listen, what am I supposed to do? Like, here I am. I try and help other people. Nobody helps me. I try and care about other people. And right now I feel like nobody cares about me. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know where the idea came from, but it was basically the question to me was, okay, so what are you going to do? And I began to think it's mother's day. So I called my mom, I called my mother-in-law and 
I'm sitting there and I've got my phone in my hand and I realize I have an aunt who never had kids. She would have been the world's best mom. Yeah. She loves kids. I don't know what the circumstances were, but I also realized, you know what? This has got to be the most difficult day of the year for her. And so I called her and I left her a message because she didn't answer the phone. Later that week, I get a call back from her and she's in tears. And she says, listen, thank you so much for your call. No one has ever said happy Mother's Day to me. And no one has ever acknowledged that this has got to be a difficult day. The reason why she didn't answer the phone is because it is such a difficult day for her that her and her husband literally went camping where they got no cell phone reception and where they could just get away from it and not have to face all of the trappings of Mother's Day where it just kind of gets rubbed in her face that she's not a mom. And that taught me a very important lesson. And the lesson is this, when you are down and when you are feeling low, the It is then that you have an opportunity to actually fulfill your purpose and turn your focus around from being focused on yourself and focus on other people and say, how can I serve? What can I do for them? And as you help other people, as you serve other people, as you encourage, build up, whatever it is that you're doing, you will find that you can't be really down about yourself because you have a purpose and you have meaning. And that meaning comes from your using whatever abilities you have, as limited as mine are, using those abilities to do something for someone else gives you purpose, gives you value, and, and it gives your life some meaning. Man, that's awesome. I think you just gave everybody the one thing for today right there too. That's beautiful. That touched me, man. <laughs> Thank you. If there's one thing that you can walk away from today, it's or take away from this, grab onto, it's that right there. Yeah, and if I could just add on one small piece of that too, because it, the, going back to the burden thing, if you're not a- allowing somebody else to come into your life in that moment or that season to help lift you up, you're a rejector at that point. And it can actually take away from the purpose of the person that's trying to help you, because that could literally be why they're on this planet at this moment is for you. So it's not that you're just bringing yourself down, you are bringing somebody else down in that moment too because you're not opening up for them to fulfill their purpose in their life to help you. It's about a mutuality. It's about, like I said, friendships are two-way streets. And in order to be a friend, in order to have a friend, you must be a friend. And when you begin to do that, you know, listen, I'll tell you another quick story. This one is, from my book. I've got two books that I've written. The first one was called Still Walking. The second one is called Still Falling. And in Still Falling, I tell the story about a woman that I went to visit. She was working in a sheltered workshop. Yeah. She had some uh, an intellectual disability. And um, I'm feeling bad for her. She's in a sheltered yeah. workshop. She's, she's not getting a real job. She's just kind of stuck there. And I think her job is literally to put the tops on travel mugs. And she was getting paid like 10 cents a piece to put the tops on the travel mugs. Uh, So I go to visit her and I'm just like, this is, this is not going to be good. Yeah. And we start to talk. And as we're talking, I'm trying to just make conversation to kind of get to know her. And she says to me, like, yeah, I'm a junk food junkie. And I said, tell me about it. Like what, what kind of junk food do you like? She says, I like chocolate, anything with chocolate. And I said, anything specific? She says, brownies. My neighbor 
makes the best brownies and I love her brownies. Okay. Now I immediately have this kind of, you know, flashback to when I was a kid and you had the, the knave who steals the tarts off of the, uh, the windowsill. Sure. They're still cooling. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, before I can help myself, I'm like, so, all right, so how do you get your neighbor's brownies? I'm just one, I'm worried. Are you going and stealing them off the windowsill while they're, I don't tell her that, but it's like, yeah, so how do yeah. you get them? And she says, oh, she gives them to me. And I ask why? And she says, well, my neighbor is older and she has a dog, but it's a big dog. And when she goes, when she takes the dog for a walk, the dog will pull her off balance and she'll fall down. But since I'm younger and I'm stronger, I can take the dog for a walk and it doesn't bother me. So I walk her dog and she makes me brownies, right? That to me is the epitome of what we're looking for in life where you find someone who has a need and as you fill that need, you're going to find, you know what, they're going to see your needs and they're going to, they're going to be very willing to help, not out of obligation, not out of pity, but because they value you as a person and value you for what you bring into their lives. Man, that's beautiful. That's really, you know, I, I need, I, we need to tell everybody where to find you. Where can everyone find you on social media? So um, easiest thing is visit my website. I am at yourmotivationalspeaker.com. Uh, and, you know, it, it just really what I've done, and I realized this the other, the, the other day, okay, I got the domain name yourmotivationalspeaker.com yeah. thinking like, hey, this would be great for search engine stuff. It has the name motivational speaker right in it. And like, this will be wonderful. Well, yeah, um, that is such a highly competitive term that. Oh, of course. It is. Top yeah, of right on for SEO. Yeah, right. Yeah. I have a cyber company. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you, do you have a social media handle on a page on Instagram or? Um, so most of my social media stuff is done for my podcast. My podcast is learning from smart people. Awesome. And so you're um, on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, got a website, learningfromsmartpeople.com. I, I have, unfortunately, a fetish for acquiring websites, and I'm not doing it like cyber squatting where I hope to sell them one day. Yeah. I have this brilliant idea where I'm like, you know what? This would be a really cool website, and I here's what I can do with it. And I have like 40 of them, and I I have like three that I'm actually working with. So uh, that's my side note. But yeah, so. My uh, social media stuff for the podcast, since it's called Learning from Smart People, yeah, I just yeah. give the initials. So it's LFSP Podcast. And that's, that's awesome, Twitter, man. Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm on. That's beautiful. Yeah. Rob, you're amazing, my man. I really appreciate you being on today. Hey, thanks for going all in with me today. Subscribe to the show so you get the new episodes when they come out. Rate and review the show if you're listening on iTunes. Follow me on social media at Mr. Rick Jordan. As always, you can find links and references to anything we've talked about in this episode in the show notes. And finally, share this episode with someone who you think might be able to level up their life by listening. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message. That Bible conference that we were at, I decided not to stay with the, the kids. I went and invested time into this young man. Yeah. Still made a mess of his life. And I actually, we had a snowstorm, and I had to leave early because there were some friends of mine who were also girls. 
that live out near Philly and they were afraid to drive in the snow. So I left early with these other girls and my girlfriend, the girl who became my girlfriend was like, this guy shows up. He doesn't hang out at the place where I hang out. He leaves early with two other girls. Like, what is he trying to do? And <laughs> He's so, a ladies man. That's what I would what, think. <laughs> yeah. And, and so later that week, she calls me and she says, listen, I, I came to realize something. And what, I, what she realized was that I put service to others above trying to impress her. Yeah. Yeah. And so many times we, we are focused on the wrong thing. And my thing is this, serve other people. And she said, like, that's the kind of character I'm looking for in a person that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. So we started, we started dating in February. My injury happened in August. And, but she has been, I married her. She is with me. We just celebrated 25 years 